0: I don't know what I missed, but it sounded good. everyone to CapsCorner.com. podcast capscorner.com your source virginia sports i am brad franklin publisher of capscorner.com coming to you live from the place where franklin states in the west end of richmond where it is wednesday september the 8th virginia coming off of a 43 to nothing route of uh william and mary on saturday night now we'll host and i think this is the first time i've ever said this for a football game now we'll host illinois saturday morning uh in a game that uh that I mean, they're ten point favorites. Um, we're gonna obviously talk about it on the show. Um, not necessarily a compelling matchup, but maybe compelling in ways that might not necessarily show from um, you know the outside. Um, so anyway, before we uh, recap last week and preview this week, let's go around and introduce everybody. first up in Fisher'sville. David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend?
1: Going well. just just finished packing up the tailgate to get home in time for the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter?
0: I got a story about that in a minute. All right, and then up <laughs> in Loudon, Staff Writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. What's going on, my dude?
2: Not too much. I just cracked one of the beers that Dave left in my uh, cooler, so <laughs> life is good. Beers yep. are free. I <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, and only ninety-five calories. Yeah, I won't please. say what it is because they don't pay us.
0: Oh, uh, that's true. They won't. Hey, but if you want to, you know, get up. Um. Anyway. Uh, and then Managing Editor Damon Dillman in Charlesville is also on the program. Damon, your first game covered in the press box um after having been on the field for your career um to that point. Um I, I know you said after the game the other day that you 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 kind of miss being down on the field. Um any any benefits to being in the press box? Uh my legs weren't as tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. All that that's running back point. and
3: forth and tripping over stuff, and Vic Soto laughing at me. But that's another story for another time. Uh, no, I mean, I, it's definitely it, it's definitely a lifestyle adjustment. Uh, the guy next to me wouldn't be quiet, um, but I mean,
2: that yeah. comes with the territory. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, what was the What was the meal?
3: Uh, I was box lunch city, man. Yeah, man, man okay. Box lunch, box lunch
2: city. Uh, yeah. Picked a good time to get out of this. Uh,
3: <laughs> chicken Caesar wrap. I believe I had, does that, that sounds right. Right. So I don't know, maybe it'll be McDonald's breakfast for uh, each of us this Saturday. As long as there's hash browns.
2: There you go. <laughs> I
0: right, give the people at, your Twitter handle so we can, so we can keep on at Damon Dillman and Cavs corner. Also on Twitter, Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items and the occasional witty banter. Um, all right, let's uh well, hold on, let me tell my story real quick. Um <laughs> All right, so last week when Dave said he wanted to go early, he was not kidding, guys. He he really meant it because I texted him the that that morning and I was like, "All right, what time are you or no." He said rolling in, you know, it's kind of surreal or whatever. And I was like, "Wait, it's it was early." And I was like, "What are you doing?" I texted the same thread and I was like, "For what time are you getting there?" And, and Dave answers, he's like, "He's here." So, okay. <laughs> So I, you know, hustle up, get in the shower, get to Charlottesville. Okay, that's fine. All right. That is a long time. <laughs> it was a long, it was like seven and a half, more than that. It was like 11, what, it was like 1045, 11 o'clock. It was a 10 hour there. tailgate. It was a long tailgate. Um, the fact that, um, the the fact that that was an option uh, is one thing, but that we chose it is just a completely different animal. And now listen, I, before he, before he, you know, he barks at me, I, I don't disagree with his logic. He didn't get to, he didn't get to tailgate all of last year. Um, I get it. You know, I'm just saying that was a long day. I'm just saying by the time I got home at like, Oh man, was it one something or whatever? close to one man. mm. So I'm very thankful as well that this game is uh is not late at all. Let's talk about uh that win against William and Mary. I I think we we're, it's going to be unavoidable that we talk about the offense because the defense kind of did, you know, essentially what we expected them to do, right? Um you never you never can sort of um you can never count, you know, count your chickens when it comes to um shutouts, right? Though even if you're playing like anybody, I mean basically anybody, Points are especially late in the game You know, that, that's the fact that you didn't give up any Is pretty impressive That being said, it wasn't, you know If you look at the the grades um, It wasn't the, the the cleanest defensive game by any stretch Spoiler alert, they came out in a 3-3-5 For anybody who listens to this podcast Hey, congratulations on your uh, decisions And being well informed um, It's astonishing to me to see our Some of our media brethren After Bronco uh, releases a new depth chart on Monday that has a basically a 3, three 5 out there to be like, oh, how, long, how much 3-3-5 did they play in the game? And I'm like, the game. Um, but no, nonetheless, I think we have to start talking about the offense, right? Because that was not what I expected. Dave, in in the pantheon of things you expected to see from Virginia's offense, did you expect to see all – well, I guess not all of the quarterbacks because I don't think Jay wolfolk was in there. But did you expect to see four quarterbacks at various times moving through – um, the formation? I mean, I certainly, I it know did. I didn't. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I expected maybe two, uh, possibly yeah. three, um, but not four. What do you, what, what do you, what are your thoughts and takeaways several days later after about the offense?
1: When we heard that uh, Rodriguez was now like a, a running back slash wide receiver, it, it was pretty clear to me like they wouldn't make that change unless you're trying to get them some playing time. So I wasn't shocked to see four quarterbacks. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, I guess, I guess what I have to do uh, like fans are doing is make a conclusion on the, you know, on this entire offense based on one game. Um, So, you know, I think we all wanted to see him give the ball to the running backs more, but you know, at the end of the game, when you go back and watch it, like I I literally think they were treating it like a preseason game. So I thought the offense was fun um, after they, at the end, you know, when I I knew the game was comfortable, went back and rewatched it. Yeah. it was definitely interesting, and you know, look, like I can see the merits for, for trying guys in those different places. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the surprise for me, like, you know, look, I can see why they use those quarterbacks. Like, I was really, con- I, I guess, I had one impression of Rodriguez prior to seeing him Saturday. Like, he's got some, some power and some speed that I didn't didn't think he had. Um, look, you can understand when they say like Keaton Thompson is going to be the football player because you have seen his top end speed and you know obviously he had the arm injury last year but you know he's a dynamic guy. I didn't think that's what Rodriguez was so prior to Saturday night that one was a little surprising to me. Um but Ironstead like that boy is fast. Um so you, I see why you got to get him on the field. And look, you know, if they're doing it just because they didn't get a lot of live reps in camp fun if they're literally doing it just to put a lot of stuff on film. And I think that's what Bronco alluded to. I can't remember if it was his coach's show or his press conference, but uh, pretty sure it was a coach's show with Dave the other night. He said, um, basically, like, you only have four or five days to prepare for an opponent. So when we run out that many different formations, it's like typically teams have two or three plays based on a formation. But have yeah, this many formations, they can't plan for all of them. Um, so if that's their plan, especially with Carolina coming in a couple of weeks, yeah, you know, I'll give it to them. But yeah, you know, I think – the way this offense is going to have to – look, Brennan's a great quarterback, but eventually you're going to have to get the running backs involved, um, you know, the traditional running backs.
0: Yeah. I, listen, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the fly in the ointment here, folks, but listen to me. I've heard this line about the whole, like, well, when you have so much to prepare for and that's great, two problems. One, it didn't work, right? It It didn't. Like, the offense was not good because you threw a bunch of stuff at the defense that the defense wasn't able to, like, prepare for. No, no. The thing that worked was your offense, not the not the shiny objects and the weird gadgets, right? The second problem is that as much as you look at what you're giving the defense to prepare for, or what you're giving the defense in this case, because you you didn't show it to them beforehand, so whatever. It, as much as you do that to make them adapt, right? Your guys still have to do the same thing, and like those were not in any way, shape, or form to me, to my eyes at least, and you guys can disagree with me, but. Uh, to me, it did. It it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't working. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't cohesive. It did not feel fluid. I mean, everything just seemed disjointed. It went back to the days of uh, you know Dave's whole old adage about the you know series of uh, of sentences, but not a paragraph. That's what it felt like to me. And then somewhere along the way, they're like, okay, let's just run the offense. And then they started scoring points. And look, I appreciate that you don't want to put some stuff out there against Carolina and da 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 da. Or excuse me, you don't want to put stuff out there because you're, you know, you're trying to keep it off film. But the bottom line for me, Ferber, is like, uh, do you think that this character, Do you really believe? Are you are you trying to make Carolina believe that you're going to come out there with four quarterbacks doing all this like gadget stuff, or does Carolina just say, "Oh, that's great. That's that's a whole part of film we don't have to even study"? Because that's what I came away with thinking is like you just kind of let them off the hook. You wanted to show them some stuff, show them some stuff out of your normal formations, unless they're actually really going to run a lot of the stuff that I think looked. I don't know, looked meh against William & Mary, a team that was obviously going to be struggling in this game. What, what were your thoughts on the offense, Ferber?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's not only just – like you can do this kind of stuff for North Carolina, but I think you also do it for yourself. Um, you know, you like the, the coaches aren't naive. Like they understand that they have margin for error in a game like this, especially once William & Mary rolled out a backup quarterback um you know to tinker and and to try stuff and see what's going on um, i thought you know you were right their best offense came when they just played straightforward and just ran normal stuff through the ball um you know obviously they i think part of the calculus with the four quarterbacks and doing different things was to keep brennan from running the ball and they clearly did that i think he only had like two design runs in the game um and you know they did a nice job of keeping him fresh but yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned about what I saw unless they do it again this week and have the same struggles. Cause I think they're going to run a lot of stuff that's adjacent to what they did, you know, and, and instead of giving those looks to Rodriguez or whoever, they're going to give the ball to running backs or they're going to give the ball to Keaton or whoever, Brandon Armstrong will get some looks. Um, I think they were kind of just trying to put some stuff out there on film for themselves, like see what they could do against another team with this stuff. And I think that these players will continue to play. Um, But I I don't, I'm not buying that this is like how they're setting up for the season. Um, I I don't think, I also don't think that, I mean, I know coaches do the cliche, like one game at a time. I don't think they're like thinking that much about North Carolina. I don't think they're like, we got to put all this stuff on film for them. Um, You know, you still got to get by Illinois and there's, you know, a bunch of other games. So, I think it's more like trying stuff out. Um, I think it's pretty clear that from watching it, that the tinkering and all the different stuff they did, um, it wasn't super effective. So, I mean, I think any chances that they like really want to run this stuff and are trying to just make it work. I mean, like you got to see against an FCS team, like it was sort of, it just looked very deliberate and um, it just seemed like they were kind of like trying to square peg round hole the situation and, yeah. It just didn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, I'm not too worried about it and, and I'm gonna hold off on judgment until I see them play against some better teams that I think they'll be a little bit more respectful of in terms of playing them straight up.
0: Damon, if we if we if we take Ferber's point there and let's let's extrapolate that out, right? So the idea that okay, so they weren't necessarily doing it to sort of keep their real stuff behind closed doors, but mainly they were trying to work it. They were kind of basically repping it, right? To to sort of put it out there. Get get a, get their own film of it, right? To see what what works and what doesn't work, um, and so then they can sort of go back to the drawing board. Do you think that that does that? In your opinion, make UVA harder to prepare for, for whether you're Illinois or Carolina or anybody else, or does it hurt UVA in terms of its own preparation? Because one of the things that these guys have talked about since they came to Charlottesville is like a big focus for them is like understanding what guys can and can't do. Maybe that's a luxury here because you know Keaton Thompson, you know, Billy Kemp, you know, but realistically, I, I, am I'm, I'm wondering if the law, lo- the lack of reps, especially for those running backs, right. Considering that that was a, such a heated competition, where do you fall on this Damon? do you feel, do you feel like it was a, the smart decision to sort of go out there and tinker a little bit, or is that, or does it ultimately not feel, you know, like the right call simply because it just didn't work? I mean it, it to a certain extent
3: it, it certainly felt like they were trying too hard. Um and I, I I didn't it just I asked Bronco on Monday, it's like, is this a reflection of what you think about the running backs? Because we heard so much about how they like all four of them and it's so it's such a head-to-head fluid competition. The depth chart changes every day and all this stuff, and then they go out and got something like what? 11 carries combined between the four of them uh, against William and Mary in a game that you had well in hand. Um, So I just, it's, I I don't know. It it, it seems to one of me that this just seems like a Robert and I thing that he's going to see if he can make this work. I think what they are trying to make happen here is kind of his, his baby almost, so to speak. And he really wants to, He really wants to figure out a way to throw this at teams. And I think Bronco even admitted on Monday that, that he's on board with it, that he he's on board with what they were trying to do on Saturday because of the, the, the fact that as a defensive guy, Bronco looks at it from that perspective and he wouldn't want to have to prepare for an offense that would throw some of the formations and some of the ideas that UVA was throwing out there on Saturday. So he likes it. And so I don't necessarily think this is going away. I don't necessarily think they'll try to do it as much as they did against William and Mary. Um, I think they saw what worked once they kind of did. Uh, I think straightforward was the word Justin used. And I think that's the best word for it. Um, But yeah, I, I, I think this is something that they're going to tinker with and they're going to throw out there from time to time because they want to get these guys on the field. I had heard that Jake Rodriguez had looked pretty good in some of these other spots in the, in the preseason, but I didn't think that meant that he would play over some of these other guys who didn't get as much time on Saturday night. Um, So I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it's one of it. it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to me, especially because it was so ineffective in that first quarter, but I, I don't think it's going away. I think, I think we're going to still see them tinker with this and I think they're excited about what it could be if the light bulb does, if the light switch does go on and stay on and so I think this is something that they're going to tinker with and mess around with and try to make work throughout the whole season because I think they can be, they see it as an opportunity to be really explosive if they can get this to click on all cylinders.
0: Um. So, I, listen, I, I, I also understand too that to to your point, like yeah, some of the stuff's not going to go away. They they a lot of what they did here is just sort of the the next sort of evolution of what they've done in the past. Um, I think that if you look at their talent, their talent, right, and you're just trying to maximize your talent, right. There's no doubt to me that Keaton Thompson is arguably their best player, right. I mean the dude is just so multifaceted. Um, he he he's such a productive asset right he can do so many different things and he clearly has a uh as a feel for not just the offense but sort of his place in it um armstead today's pointer i mean that dude can fly I mean, he's an athlete you're trying to get him on the field i get it right and even rodriguez to some extent but are you really telling me that that trying some of this stuff these gadget plays when you have arguably the most experienced offensive line in maybe school history right and you've got a stable of running backs that, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe you don't have one in that bunch that's gonna win the Heisman, but like that's a stable of dudes who all like they deserve carries. Like they they are they're pretty good players. I it's, personally would love to see Mike Hollins getting some steady work. I would love to see Ronnie Walker get some steady work. I, I feel like in a situation where there are so many like mouths to feed, and I didn't even think like put anything to eat on their table. And I think, Dave, to me, like that's I mean, maybe maybe this is something that, you know, is a one off sort of situation and, you know, they come out against Illinois. But I, I, I can't help but come away with the question, at least that, OK, does the staff worry that the running backs just aren't going to be able to be productive and they need to do this gadget stuff? They need to put this on film. So teams are preparing for this other stuff and then they can run these decoy action off of it. What do you think?
1: I mean, yeah, I think some of that's what we'll see. Right. Like we, we don't know what this team is. We don't know. You know what the ultimate plan is, um, but I mean, I think a lot of our viewpoint of it is just because they started slow. Like if they have come out barn, like if they have come out like they played from the last five minutes of the first half to the end of the third quarter, and then slowed down, we'd be like, man, that thing was really productive. Because I don't think they were any less gadgety later in the game. It's just they were in better rhythm. Uh, Brennan was making some better passes, but I mean, ultimately, the job of your team is, you know, your offense is to score points. Is obviously it's a FCS team. But, you know, they scored 43. And if you take away, like, um, Brendan's runs, because a lot of those were – a few of those were sacks and a couple were – you know, he had a couple of his runs But he he had zero yards rushing, net rushing, and then there was a kneel down. The team averaged 8.9 yards a rush, and then they weren't all running backs. Um, you know, Ira, everyone had him. So, I mean, that's a productive rush game. Doesn't matter how it got done, it was productive. It just was ugly to start with. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you can do that. Constantly, but having that as a possible wrinkle, look, think back to the way Virginia beat Carolina last year. Um, it was some gadget stuff at the end, um, you know, and then that one against BC, it was some of that. It's just that gadget was Keaton Thompson. It wasn't multiple guys. So to me, it's, it's getting some, getting guys, some reps, um, you know, so what happens if Brennan goes down, you got to hire some reps. He's comfortable, you know, if Keaton gets dinged up. Can you use Rodriguez in a similar motion? similar vein and you know if those guys aren't the answer do you you know do you get more work for a guy like Starling in that role so like uh, to me I think it was just it was pretty much a preseason game and I will make a little bit more conclusion after the Illinois
2: yeah and I think like the biggest tip off for me that I think that I don't necessarily think they're going to scrap the plays I think that the usage for each player will change Um, and I think that that will pay off in some ways like um, for example last year Brennan averaged 14 carries a game and that's having at least one half of that NC State game not playing so really 15 or so a game um, Keaton averaged nine I believe it was and between the two of them they combined for 11 um, and like you said Dave like some of those were sacks for Brennan I think one was a scramble so I and I just think that would be insane to like cut their carries in half. (laughs) So, I I mean, those are two of your most productive offensive players from last year. So that's why I'm kind of like, I think that they're like, yeah, let's give some plays to Rodriguez and see what he can do. But I don't necessarily think that's what's going to be happening, you know, in two weeks.
3: I think they were playing a lot of NCAA football in
2: the off season and
3: and going out and recruiting a bunch of athletes who are all best at quarterback, but only one can play quarterback
2: they did the position change thing right before yeah, the Yeah, so they started. Pos-
3: did position changes all over the field and got them all on the field together because that's I don't know. That's kind of it's I I think they just want to get these guys on the field because whether it's Ira, whether it's Keaton or Rodriguez kind of pounding the ball, I think they like what these guys offer and they they want to utilize that. They're football guys as an I as an I put it. If you're not playing quarterback, you're a football guy. Uh, and that's kind of what we're seeing
0: So let's talk about what actually did work um, And you know in fairness I mean I guess I should offer the disclaimer That you know in my illustrious career I've never been an offensive coordinator So you know what the heck do I know But um, Brennan I thought Had maybe to to You know to Damon's point in his um, Story on Monday Like not exactly the greatest start But he ended up with a pretty nice night And certainly sort of got it cooking later on Um I thought maybe not as much Billy Kemp as I expected, um, but I thought that you know both you know well the trio of Henry Wicks and and uh, Starling looked really strong. I was sad not to see more of um, Woods. It seemed like cramping got him and 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 didn't let go. Um, and I you know from the grades at least it looks like you know um, about kind of what I expected. Dave, when you look at this offensive performance, what stands out to you the most?
1: Uh, Brennan's really good. I, mean, I think it's kind of easy to get lost in that. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, obviously he had, I think, one or two decisions where he could let go of the ball and ended up eating it. Um, but I think that's better than what we saw last year. There was me trying to think. I think there was one pass that was kind of iffy. There yeah, was that one really, early. Yeah, there was yeah. That one
0: on the first drive.
1: But, you know, but he avoided turnovers, and he threw for two <laughs> two scores and ran for two. Um, one of the scores, i say both of the scores look like read options, like true read options. One of them, I think he made the right call the second one. He probably didn't, but he got it anyway. Um, the pass he threw to Starling was really pretty. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he just played a smart, clean game. You know, he leads the ACC in passing, unless I miss someone who threw for more than he did. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah just a solid game, especially when you consider that a lot of his passing last year was based on you know the threat of him running and he really didn't use his legs that much um which i think is good for the team look if if virginia can win not having him get hit as much as he did last year that's a good thing for everyone um so yeah that that's my big takeaway like i the one g- regret i have is like i really wanted to see Lavell davis <laughs> just because he's good but um i mean i thought overall the even though it was clunky to start with, like there's some pieces on that team. Like you see Armstead, I've already mentioned, like that second gear he hits is like, it's not Bryce Perkins speed, but it's close. Um, and then I thought, you know, Ray Henry, that catch he had in the corner was, was a big time catch. Um, Starling, you know, getting open and making that play. And then Kemp had just missed a reliable. And then, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if there was a negative on, on the offense other than the clunky start. And, you know, they, they played a clean game week one, you know, in front of a crowd that they hadn't seen in forever. So, I, mean, I was pretty happy with it, other than, I mean, I think we all would like it to have been 35 nothing at the half.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Damon, in, in the course of covering this team to this point, um, what, what were your expectations for the offense in, in game one? And, and kind of where did where did the production that you saw match up against that?
3: I think the one thing I didn't see, and we've already touched on this, but I think the one thing I didn't see on Saturday that I think we all kind of went into expecting to see was I thought we'd see more of the running backs involved. I know that's pretty obvious, but we had talked about it so much going into this season about the traditional run game. We need more from the traditional run game, and that was such a – they were beating that drum all throughout the summer, even when you go back to the spring, and and then Bronco tells us after the game that, yeah, the running backs weren't really part of the game plan in this one. And it's like, okay. So, but I think beyond that, I think I think my whole thing with Armstrong coming into the season was he was saying the things you wanted to hear over the summer uh, about being smarter, reading defenses better, not forcing balls, but you wanted to see it. And I think for the most part, we did see that on Saturday night. I think the throw I liked from him the most was the one – Uh, It's the one that kind of got him going, actually, in the second quarter. It was the third down throw to Wicks, where he could. it looked like he almost ran, but uh, stayed in the pocket, stayed a little longer in the pocket, stayed patient, and then found Wicks open across the field, and Wicks uh, did the catch and run. And that, to me, looked like a quarterback who was trusting the things he was working on in the offseason and in the preseason. And that really seemed to be – a throw that got him going. He hit that one. Then he hit the next one to Wicks that got him down to the two. And then he scored on the next play. Armstrong scored himself to, uh, to get the first touchdown of the year. So yeah. And then he, he was really solid in that second half. I think he only had two incompletions the entire second half. So he obviously settled into more of a rhythm as things got going in the second half and they kind of rode with him for that final drive because they wanted him to get into that rhythm and, and, and leave on a, on a more positive note. Um, so yeah, I think, like I said, I think the biggest thing I expected to see was the running backs more involved, but obviously they were still 200 plus yards on the ground. They just did it in a different way. And that's, I mean, you'll take that anytime you can get it, however you can get it. So I think how they did it maybe was a little different from what, what I was anticipating, but they still were about as productive, especially once they got over the slow start.
0: For let's move to the defense. Um, I mentioned earlier, obviously, a shutout's a, a great thing, um, and they you know, did some different stuff in terms of alignment. Were you more surprised to see Nick Grant at safety or to see Fentrell Cypress as a starter at corner? What, what, what really stood out to you about, let's, get, let's start with the sort of uh, personnel piece of it all. Um, what stood out to you about the way that they came out in this new look?
2: Yeah, I mean, Cypress caught me off guard to start the game because uh, this was you know, my first non-press box game in a while. And I was like, who the hell is that? Like, I don't know that number. And I'm like, you know, we're like scrambling to look at the rosters, which is something, yeah, you have to kind of get used to with this coaching staff and the number changes and all that. But, yeah, I wasn't expecting him to necessarily be the guy um, on the edge. And then, obviously, Anthony Johnson. I mean, we had heard a lot about him, you know, in camp and expected him to have a role, but he wasn't listed as a starter. Um, And then he comes out there. Nick Grant at safety, you know – in the moment, it was a little strange, but I was not surprised to see him out there. Um, and then I believe when he was recruited, he was actually recruited as a safety. Um, or he was maybe expected to play safety. I can't remember. Um, he played
3: safety early. He talked about that the other right. day.
2: Yeah. He yeah, played
3: behind true. Thornhill, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he has that kind of a build, too. Like, he's kind of rangy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that if they can I, – I think Nick sometimes – where he had trouble at corner was one-on-one. So I think at safety, he might be a better fit. Same with Devontae Cross. Um, And they obviously both had moments of, you know, good moments in one-on-one coverage. But um, I think when you put too much on those guys at corner and any, you know, they're not the only corners um, where this would be the case, but, you know, you put them on an Island with somebody that's has NFL caliber speed, you might be in trouble, but um, having a bunch of DBs out there, you can kind of cover the field a little differently, but yeah, I mean, I think once the game settled in, um, it was nice to see like how the pieces were going to fit because that is one area that I don't think they were really bluffing. Um, I think that we were probably getting you know, the personnel groups that we're probably going to get for most of the season. But um, it's really hard to evaluate them in that game because William & Mary's starting quarterback got hurt and then their backup. I mean, not to take anything away from UVA's effort, but I didn't even feel like William & Mary was really trying to score at times. Like They were just like, let's just get through this game um they weren't really throwing when you would think they would they took a couple of chances they ran a trick play at the beginning of the second half but it kind of felt to me like they were like don't crush this kid's confidence in his first game um and let's just we're not going to win anyway let's just try to get through this um so i think we'll have a much better sense of where uva stands after this week regardless of who the quarterback is for illinois before they go play a much better quarterback next week
0: let's talk about that quarterback so, what do we think of Illinois? Because I watched them against Nebraska, and <laughs> I did not come away very impressed. Damon, in 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 looking at them, uh, what stands out to you about the Ill- Illini? Yeah, I mean, talking to the Illinois guys from
3: rivals, they basic you, you talk about that Nebraska game, and they said Nebraska lost that game. Nebraska gave that game to Illinois because I think having not paid a ton of attention to that game you just look at it on the surface and you see, Oh, Illinois beat Nebraska. Maybe they're not that bad. And then you start to realize, wait, maybe Nebraska really is really bad. Um, But yeah, I think they're obviously going to try to run the ball. Uh, That's kind of what they do. That's kind of what Brett Bielema wants to do. Uh, Robert and I talked today about how both of their lines, their offensive line and their defensive line, that's probably the strength of the team right now. They've recruited really well on both sides of the line. So I'm interested to see in this game on Saturday how much maybe they don't play the three-three-five because it's just from a matchup perspective against uh, a team that maybe because obviously one of the reasons you go to the three-three-five is because so many of these opponents are spreading the ball around, spreading out their offense, and I don't know how much Illinois is going to do that this uh, this weekend. So maybe we see a, a one-week return to more of the. Uh, the three, four and getting that extra linebacker on the field, especially they're so excited about the way Hunter Stewart has played. And, uh, Elliot Brown, uh, Nick Howell talked about him today and about the way he played. And so, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm interested in a lot of things about this game on Saturday, mostly because I just feel like William and Mary was so overmatched in a variety of ways on both sides of the ball that you can't really glean a whole lot long term from that game so um i'm i'm interested to see will illinois take some shots against that secondary maybe we'll get more of an idea of if this uva secondary is as improved as they hope to be as they anticipate being but because we obviously didn't see a whole lot of that from william and mary but that doesn't really seem to be illinois thing either especially with the question of quarterback so i don't know We'll see how Nick Howell said today that regardless of which quarterback plays, he doesn't think they're going to they're going to run the same stuff. He doesn't anticipate them changing up the game plan a whole lot, depending on which of the quarterbacks it is. So I don't know. I think I, I don't know how much we're going to learn about this past defense in particular this weekend either, but I'm hoping we get to learn a little bit more at least.
0: Dave when the when when you look at Illinois do you are you confident in Virginia because like that was one of the things that struck me and I mean granted that was you know week zero essentially right so um you know they could be a different team uh, in some ways um, but I, I didn't get the sense that that's an offensive line that's gonna slow down you know a, you know Virginia's pass rush is in a good spot then that they should be able to create some pressure right and maybe the three4 kind of fits better for what they need this week Um but when you look at Illinois, what are you hoping to see from Virginia's defense, and how do you feel about their ability to match up with what um, Illinois is going to put out there on offense?
1: I mean, when I think Illinois, there's two different thoughts. I have. First of all, like the return game is going to be a lot Like – I'm not saying Saturday is going to be a challenge, but the return game against Illinois when, when Brett has some time to build up that line and get to the power football that he's kind of known for. I think it's going to be a significant challenge because it's going to be more in that Pittsburgh mold that, you know, Virginia has kind of struggled with. Don't know that they've got the, you know, got all the Jimmies and Joes to do that yet, but it's going to be a challenge. Like if Virginia comes out and it's not clean with the ball, uh, just the same stuff we were praising them for in the first game. If there's turnovers and, you know, what the team like Illinois, I don't know that they're ready to come out and, and take the game, but, it's certainly a team capable of winning, especially if you give them extra chances like Nebraska did. So um, I think Virginia's in a good spot being at home with this game, having a pretty experienced lineup and going against a team that's in their first year in their, in their system. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, like the weird thing about Illinois is like, you know, we're zero and two against them. Um, and both of them are like memorable games to me because, you know, I think it was, it was the citrus bowl in 89, Virginia lost to them. Jeff George, the quarterback hit, the following year Virginia came out and kind of stormed the world in 1990 to start the run. But the sad part is, and I'm, okay, you guys are young enough to remember this one, old enough to remember this one, but that Micron PC bowl,
0: oh, um, don't bring it where up. they just, Ugh.
1: you know, they just took us to the woodshed. And to me, like that was the end of the Welsh era, right? even though he coached beyond that. That's yeah, when a lot of fans too. just kind of said he's not the guy. So there's a, there's an old George Welsh lover in me that just wants to, To just take it out on them Saturday, yeah.
0: Um, Well, let's get into um, let's get into some picks. Let's do it. All right, Ferber in the preseason, which was like thirty-seven seconds ago. uh, You had Virginia winning this game. This can't be right. I have thirty-one to one hundred and seventy-six. but I believe that I meant to change that seven to a sixteen. it's probably um,
2: like 31, 17. Or yeah. Something. I
0: think it's either it was either, it was either, I think it was either seven and you change it to 16 or you, I wrote six and then I put in the seven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if actually, they,
2: if, if Illinois gets to triple digits, I mean, some,
0: well, also too, you had UVA winning it. So clearly, you know, yeah. um, how do you feel about the uh, two, you know, it's 10 is the line still 10. Is that, is that feel about right? It is 10.
2: I just looked actually. Um, yeah, and I think that's about right. I think especially after Illinois lost, we didn't really talk about that. But, you know, they beat Nebraska. Everybody's like, oh, Illinois. And I was like, I think Nebraska is just bad. Um, and then, the, you know, Illinois lost last week to UTSA. So um, that kind of took some shine off of the win in week zero. But you know, first road game as well. That's, so. the, that's
0: the kindest thing you've ever said. Took some shine off of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean. It. A little bit.
2: <laughs> we, well, I, you know, in our group text, David was like, I didn't even see that they lost. And then I looked, I was like, me neither," but I'm not that surprised, <laughs> you know. And then obviously they've had some injuries too. Like their starting quarterback got hurt against Nebraska. The backup's pretty good. I think as far as backups go, their starting running back's been hurt. Um, they lost, I think, their best linebacker for the season in that Nebraska game too. Um yeah, I think 10 about right as far as the line. I think UVA wins it by a couple of scores, maybe three scores. Um, this is a game where you would like to see them get off to a good start because, like Dave said, I don't think Illinois is going to go out and take it necessarily, but if you play with your food for a half like they did against William & Mary and it's, you know, seven to nothing, then then they're right there in the game. Um, and they're much more equipped to take advantage of it than William & Mary was. Um, so, yeah, I'll stick with my score. I'll say 31-17. Um, but I think UVA should be able to control this one and win at home.
0: So my so the gen, so the the thesis there is don't play with your food. I like it. Um, Damon, in the preseason, you had Virginia winning this thing twenty seven to seventeen. So you saw the ten point line coming. Apparently, um, what say you today?
3: Yeah, I I still I I don't know. Uh, I I think UVA may score a little more and hold Illinois to a little. Yeah, seventeen sounds about right. But yeah, no, I I'm still pretty confident about this one. I just think these are two programs in different stages of the process and uva is obviously in year six as opposed to year one uh a lot farther along in that process and this just seems like one of those games that they'll just go out and handle their business i, I, I think they'll get some stuff cleaned up from last week I, brendan armstrong he he was adamant uh after the game on Saturday, about how they need to get off to a faster start offensively. So I think that'll obviously be a point has been a point of emphasis all week long, and will be on Saturday morning. Um, Bronco Bronco seem to think it's a big deal um, about this is something I hadn't really thought about, but this is a 10 a.m. start for Illinois having to cross the uh, the time zone, so. I don't know how much of a factor that will be in this one, but Bronco seems to think it could be. He seems to think based on previous experiences experiences he has had, that that can be a problem. So I don't know. We'll see if that's a factor too. But long story short, I just think this is a UVA program. This is a team. These guys kind of get it. And I think we talked about this two weeks ago when we went through the whole schedule, but this seems like one of these games where the guys who've been in this program for a long time kind of get it, and they'll go out and they'll handle their business and so, yeah, I, I don't think they can allow Illinois to stick around, but theoretically they get out to that fast start that they were hoping for that they were kind of talking about and, uh, just kind of take care of their business from there.
0: All right, Dave, um, I will save myself for last. This is my custom 30 to 20 was your score. Again, the 10 point line, you guys were right on it. Uh, how you feeling today?
1: Yeah, I'm going to leave it there because I'll probably start changing it from this point forward. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't have much to add to what these guys said. Like the only interesting thing to me is going to be how much energy is in the stadium at 11 a.m. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Obviously you like to have the home home advantage. Uh, I will say the students showed up super strong for William and Mary. Obviously that's a seven 30 kick, but they were in there before then. Um, hopefully that they they get there early. Um, hopefully Virginia doesn't go out down early and <laughs> dissuade any others from coming in around noon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a home game. I think Damon said it right. Like they're, you know, a little bit further along in, in this pro in our culture than they are in, in Brett Bielema's culture. So if I like what I saw from Brendan. I like what I saw from the team. I think, you know, I think they'll they'll kind of settle in. Um, it's a chance for them to to kind of prove they can they can, um, Sort of looking for prove they can play against a team that's a little bit stronger in the trenches and say William and Mary. Um, and ultimately a good test for Virginia, even if it is a struggle. Um, I mean, I do think it's a great out of conference test, um, that'll help them in, in games down the road. Um, and certainly help hopefully keep them, keep everyone healthy and get ready for the Carolina game.
0: I, um, I had this thing twenty seven to ten. I'm gonna guess that's what I said. Twenty. Look, I I mean, I'm kind of in the mindset that like I kind of want to give UVA a few more points. Um, And I realize they just beat William Mary by forty three. So the the idea of you know picking them to blow Illinois out, but um, I don't know, man. Like, there's just not. I mean, maybe Illinois can turn it around but after their 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 first couple games i just don't get the sense that this is a team that's going to come to virginia super focused and ready and executing at a high level you know um, it just feels like a game where Virginia's going to win the question is just by to what degree and i don't know man I, I, maybe you guys have a different vibe from this illinois team but i get the sense that this is just a group that like virginia's going to get up a little bit in that first half and i don't think illinois is going to like cr- you know scratch and claw uh, to get back in it. So I had it twenty seven to ten. Give me thirty three to ten. Um I just I don't know. I feel pretty good about where UVA is and certainly playing at home and the whole early side thing all of that. Um I do wanna we 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 in the past have done this where when we picked a game we kind of talked about the headline. I think it would actually be more fun if when after we do that we can just give a quick little headline. What do we expect the story to be? I'll go first. For me it's it's gonna be Brendan Armstrong continues to um, to play well I think he's going to have a, a couple of touchdown passes You know a, a, At least one on the ground If not two um, I think he's just going to Continue to be multifaceted And uh, I, for, I think it was Ferber Who made the point earlier About you know um, uh, It might have been Damon The idea that like One of his big focuses Coming into this season Right was to Was not just to make Better decisions But to do so consistently And I think this is a game Where if he's If he's If he's good with the ball They'll roll And that's kind of um, – I, I kind of expect him to be the story coming out of this one. Uh, Ferber, let's go to you. What do you what do you expect to be the story coming out of this game?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a better start for the offense. I think that they get the passing game going early and then they win with some really good running in the second half. So balanced attack. But I think, yeah, the passing game kind of gets them over the top and then the run game brings them home. Um, uh, UTSA had like 200 and something rushing yards on Illinois. So I would think the UVA should be able to get something going. Um and, and I expect them to kind of like get an early lead and then just sort of salt it away in the second half with some long drives and, and some more points. All right,
0: Dave, let's go to you. What do you think what do you think the story is from this one?
1: Okay, I mean, I don't know if I have much to add to that. I think this might be the, the Woods coming out game. Um so I think he's gonna you know, you're gonna have some heavy looks, you know, assuming he's healthy, which sounds like he is. Um he's gonna get matched up on some linebackers with the way Illinois plays defense and I think that's a good matchup for Virginia. Um, so, yeah, I expect the offensive win. I think the woods coming out will be what I'm talking about.
0: And, Damon, what about you?
3: I just I just have a hunch on Tavion Wicks is going to have a big day. Uh, I know he had uh, what was it, 4-for-94 on uh, last Saturday. So and he I could think, have had
2: another touchdown earlier. Oh, yeah. Brandon he, missed him.
3: Add another 70 yards to that uh, total. But, uh, yeah, I think they connect on one of those this week because I think that's something that they – the way brendan made it sound after the game they'd worked on that a lot and um yeah i think i think wicks is going to have a big game uh i think he breaks 100 uh maybe gets a touchdown his first touchdown since uh that liberty game as a freshman so uh yeah i think he's going to have a big game and then ferber's probably right the second half's a lot of the running game we'll see how much the running backs get involved but i'm i, I, I just I, this is going to be a dontavian wicks game i feel like
0: yeah, I mean, my, my, you know, I I, I kind of feel bad having switched up on him. Um, I, I I do think there were definitely. I mean, I realize he's wearing three and not two, but there were definitely times he was he was giving me some real Joe Reed vibes. Um, so I'm really curious to see what the offense looks like when they've when they're kind of humming. Um, I think one of the things that maybe frustrated me with the with the quarterback thing was I, I just didn't think that that allowed them to really get into a flow, and I thought later on in the game you saw that. Um, it looked like Virginia You know it looked like the offense um, Wicks I think is a guy who can be re- Can really um, You know sort of uh, make a lot of hay Off of that flow right He's he's going to be a big benefactor of that um, And when the When when Brennan is <laughs> When Brennan's moving the ball from guy to guy To guy I, I think that just That creates such a great situation For them Just Not just in the sense of like oh defenses can't Key on one player or the other but also too, like a lot of these dudes do a lot of different things, and so in essence, it sort of it harkens back to the idea of what the quarterbacks do and everything. Um, last thing for me with 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 the game being early, and there's the whole, you know, what the you know today's to point. I was going to bring this up last, but just the idea of like what the crowd situation is going to be like, and. um you know, there's on the one hand, obviously, you know, Illinois is crossing the time zone. I think I saw something Billima said the other day. They practice early in the morning or they practice at like nine or something. So he didn't think it would be that big a deal. Um, but then there's also like the energy piece. I thought, you know, the crowd was listed at forty two thousand nine eighty two last week. Um, I thought it, it, it felt bigger than that. Um, certainly the students certainly did their part. The hill was vibrant. I thought when the team came out, I mean, it was it was pretty loud in there. Um, I'm just really curious what that will be like on Saturday. Um, I'm I'm not, I don't want us to like go through and like pick, you know, estimates or whatever for the, for the crowd. But I just, I just think that that's going to be a really interesting part of this whole story, so to speak.
1: It looked like twice as many of that to me when I first got in there. (laughs) Could have been the 12 hour (laughs) tailgate. But Anyway, (laughs) no, it's funny. We went the whole podcast and didn't give the offensive
2: line. Not that I'm placating anyone here, but.
1: Yeah, I thought you also also the line played really well. Um, we'll point out when they don't,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, if there's any like good luck charms or anything, people should just keep doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, I want to thank uh, everybody for <laughs> the really the we we put out some really long shows the last few weeks. So thank you for continuing to listen to those. Um, I think those are actually one of our two. I mean, apparently people really like long shows had somebody tell me the other day we should have like a seven-hour podcast. Um, I, I don't think anybody who's in this, um, that's on this call or whatever would want to put up with me for seven hours, but I digress. Now, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. And if you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that podcasts are sold, we better be there. And if we're not, let me know because we should be. Um, now, if you are somebody who has found the pod, you have not given us a look yet, you can check us out, calvescorner.com. Good lord! Right now, Damon has like a hundred stories. Um, I mean, dude is like cranking. Uh, he's got stuff from um, obviously uh, the video court from the coordinators today, talking about um, the win, talking about you know kind of preparing. Um, obviously, we we we've got grades from Pro Football Focus. We've got Ferber's film room and his take two. Um, there's just a lot of stuff up there um, to read and certainly to keep up with as the week rolls on. Um, I want to say thank you to Andy Ludicky From MyPerfectFranchise.net For his support of Cavs Corner And of the podcast So you can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net For more information On how you can find freedom in your next venture And discover the perfect franchise for you Again, my thanks to him Alright, again Thank everybody there for continuing to support of the show I want to thank Dave, Ferber, and uh, Damon For giving graciously of their time As always, I very much appreciate all that they do So for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Damon Dillman I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com Thanks for coming out We'll see you soon.